At Urban Farm Podcast, we are all about education, and April is Foliar Feeding Month. Have you heard of it? It is a super simple application of spraying liquid organic fertilizer on your trees and garden plants. The leaves, branches, and trunks are incredible at absorbing nutrients. And if your soil isn't great or your pH is off, foliar feeding is a quick and long-lasting fix to get your plants the nutrients they need. Want to learn more? Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Farmer Greg here, and welcome to the 663rd episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your food revolution. Today, we're going to talk about the past, present, and future of the urban farm. Well, the news is out and there are big changes in my life. Heidi and I are moving, and this is not a little move. We are transporting ourselves 1,900 miles to our dream home in Asheville, North Carolina. Lots more to come about our landing place in the future part of the podcast. I want to assure you, however, with our team in place, that's Janice, Taylor, Raymond, Renee, Bill, Bell, and Kari, all of our programs will continue into the future, just like they have over the past 20 plus years. And for those of you that expect to see me on the ground in Phoenix, you still will for the Fruit Tree Program events and seed up. To begin my journey, I thought I would review the past of the urban farm, then visit the present and the biggest question I get, and that's why are you moving, and then speculate on the future of our new space. Here's a little teaser. We are moving mid-April 2022 to a quaint little town 10 miles from downtown Asheville, North Carolina. We found our dream farm to be on four acres that is exploding with possibilities way too many for me to choose right now. But for the moment, let's talk about the past of the urban farm. And for this part of my process, I want to transport us back to the mid-1970s. I'm in the eighth grade and have a paper to write for biology class. For those of us that remember back that far, the paper was handwritten on lined paper in pencil. My topic, how we are overfishing the oceans. To this day, I have no clue how I knew how to write about this or what prompted me. However, I think Jacques Cousteau may have had an impact as I used to watch him on the National Geographic TV show. As a side note, I started my entrepreneurial adventures at the age of 15 cleaning and building fish ponds, some for people to grow and harvest tilapia and catfish right in their backyard. I was very curious from a young age about all things fish farming and in 1981 found myself on the board of the Arizona Aquaculture Association. I have this memory of visiting a fish farm in Gila Bend, Arizona, where they were growing tilapia, harvesting the meat, and throwing the leftover fish parts to the wild animals. This was wrong in so many ways, the two biggest being a waste of perfectly good fish parts that could be used for fertilizer, and artificially boosting the coyote and wildlife population. This got me thinking, what if we could create a farm where there's only usable products grown and all the previously considered waste products became resources for moving the farm forward. So I designed on paper my vision of what we would now call a regenerative farm, almost a decade before I would learn what that word actually meant. Then in 1991, there were four things that structurally changed my life forever. First, a flyer arrived in my mailbox for the permaculture design course. 
Not sure how they found me, but I remember running into the house and calling immediately to register. That is where I learned about regenerative and so much more. The second thing that happened is I discovered and read a book called Ishmael by Daniel Quinn. In the book, Quinn explores how we as a culture went from food being free 10,000 years ago to the industrial food system we have today. That educated me about how we manufacture and lock up food in modern times. Around this time, I was doing personal growth workshops at a place called Landmark Education and ended up taking their advanced course. We spent two weekends working on verbalizing the vision for our life. Mine, I am the person on the planet responsible for transforming our global food system. Now that may seem like a lot, and in many ways it is. For me it occurred, however, as my get-up call every morning. Not the perceived burden of, oh, I have to go out and do this, but oh my God, guess what I get to do today? A motivation that created excitement to thrust me out of bed and get my creative juices flowing. And finally, the frosting on the proverbial cake. A friend was sailing in the South Pacific and anchored at an island looking for a grocery store. They were told, go pick your own. That floored me. There are actually places on the planet where food is still free to pick? This final piece threaded the rest of my life together, and I set out to transform a food system and empower people to grow their own. I spent the next decade learning about how nature works through studying, practicing, and implementing permaculture in my yard and life. And in the mid-90s, I decided it was time to start writing. Next, I did what I always had done in the past. I registered for a writing class at the local community college. And before long, I was neck deep in writing and registering at Arizona State University for a bachelor's degree to my dad's delight. During an undergrad class, I was assigned a paper to create a mission in life. Taking a hint from a decade earlier, but on a local level, I realized that I was already doing what I wanted to. So the next logical step for me was name my farm and open my permaculture yard to the public. The house that I had purchased in 1989 with the yard that I had been gardening for over a decade became the urban farm an environmental showcase home designed to inspire my friends, neighbors, and the other four-plus million people in the Valley of the Sun to do this for themselves. It has now been 20 years since I offered the first tours, and the impact of the string of steps I took along the way has had an astounding effect on both Phoenix and I. In the beginning, I would set up the tent in the front yard six or eight Saturdays per year and have only a few people or sometimes no one show up. But if you know me, you understand I was not deterred, and I planned the next one, and the next one, and the next, until I got to the point where one tour wasn't enough, adding two on Saturday and one on Friday. Plus, I used the principle of stacking functions from permaculture to add a private tour here or there on tour weekend. Hey, if I have to clean, mow, and generally make the yard look great, why not make sure to show it off as much as possible? These days, we get upwards of 150 to 200 people interested in seeing a 32-year-old organic, old-growth food forest in action. People from all walks of life show up to discover how they too can begin or advance their progress of growing their own food. Asking beginner, intermediate, and advanced questions and seeing in real time what could be possible in their space. I had no idea the level of impact that my work had until in January of 2022 when Heidi and I announced that we were moving. For me, I just do what I do every day. 
It doesn't seem out of the ordinary. It is just my way of being, my stand to transform food and how we perceive it. The outpouring of acknowledgement is humbling and affirming that the work that I have been and will continue to do has left inspiration and action in people's lives. The highlight of many days is receiving emails from people with pics of their gardens sent by proud parents of their new garden that fills their belly and soul. There is, however, that thought which is never far from my mind that I penned in 1996. Our downfall as a species is that we're arrogant enough to think we can control Mother Nature and stupid enough to think it's our job. This is my motivator to share and inspire people to look to see how they can work with nature, discovering their own drive to work cooperatively in the flow rather than against a tidal wave that likely cannot be stopped. For now, remember the easiest thing to grow and the most expensive thing to buy are herbs, which can be grown in a sunny windowsill. Plant something, get gardening, or farming if you are motivated, and stay tuned for what is next in your life and my adventure. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. One of the first things that many of us learn when we start to garden is how to water and fertilize the soil. But there is an exception to this rule and it's called foliar feeding. You should foliar feed or water the leaves of your plant with liquid fertilizer when you want certain nutrients to be absorbed better. Not only are the leaves great at uptaking liquid fertilizer, if your soil isn't very good or your pH is off, foliar feeding can help your veggies and fruit trees quickly get the nutrients they need to thrive. If you're ready to start foliar feeding for maximum growth yields and quality, head on over to urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves to see our selection of foliar feeding products. That's urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves.